Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. guys i'm kat and i'm emma and thanks for joining us once again welcome back to the dead parent club podcast each week we're going to be talking about what it's like to be members of the dead parent club and chatting to brilliant guests about their grieving journeys we'll also be hearing from people far more qualified than us that can give you some top advice on navigating this new normal so welcome everyone to the dead parent club now today we are joined by singer and new dad Jake Quickenden. Jake lost his dad in 2008 and his brother just four years later to two different forms of bone cancer. Now Jake's battled depression and is passionate about getting men to talk more openly about their mental health. It is a genuine a joy. joy to have you join us, Jake. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What you won't hear listening to this is that for 10 minutes before we started recording, Jake has just had us in absolute <laughs> stitches. So I think it's safe to say you're one of those people, Jake, who humour does it for you, doesn't it? That's your thing. Like, I've got to cover everything with humour. Like, I even got the giggles at my dad's funeral. Um, <laughs> I tried to trip my, my mate up who was carrying the coffin. Like, honestly, just... Yeah, Can you imagine? Trying to do it, but do you know when you clip someone's heel... I clicked his heel and he'd nearly gone flying. And I'm like, oh my God, imagine. And then I can just picture everything going wrong at the funeral thinking, I nearly caused that. Um, and then, yeah, I got the, got the giggles at my dad's funeral with my two brothers. Um, I remember just turning around and my cousin, he was just crying, like uncontrollably crying, as you, as you should at a funeral. But I just looked at him, I clocked him and I just... I just looked at my brothers and started pissing my pants. And then all three of us were just gone for like 10 minutes. And people must have been looking at us like, what is wrong with these three lads? But for me, it's just the most important thing because I am I am stupid and my dad was like that and that's why I am like I am. So my dad would have totally been yeah. laughing his head off. And I knew that I had a speech to read out at my dad's funeral, my, a letter that my dad wrote us. So I knew that I needed to be up before I went down. So... I was happy, I was laughing, and I was remembering my dad. A nice place to start will be, what was life like for you, growing up in your family? And, you know, you're kind of one of three, aren't you? So it must have been quite a, a rowdy bunch. It was mad, to be honest. Um, I had middle child syndrome, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to try and make everything about me. Um, and my dad was like, my dad was like my best mate because I was a sporty one in the family, so... I played football and I did everything like that. So my dad really kind of latched onto that and he used to take me to everything. And he was he was actually 
not a pushy dad, but he, he wanted me to do well in everything. He always told me, like, if you're going to do something, you may as well do it to the best of your ability. There's no point in doing it. So that's kind of been embedded in me, like, my whole life. And I've always just thought, if you're going to do something, you may as well turn up and try. And even if you fail, if you've tried 100%, then that's all right. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it was just a lot of a lot of fun and a lot of laughter and a lot of games. And, yeah, every, nothing was ever really serious in my family until my dad got ill. And then things started to change a little bit. But, yeah, before that, like, my dad... Just stupid little games. He used to pretend he was a cowboy at the kitchen table and have like different characters like Cheetah Man who was like really quick but like really weak and like Sloth Man who was really slow but really, really strong. Freddie had heard King of the Bed and he was like, what's King of the Bed? And it's a game that my dad used to play where you had to wrestle on the bed and the first one to fall off, <laughs> the other one was King. It's mad thinking back. Do you know what, Jake? Seeing you, just following you on social media and stuff, that explains a lot if your dad was like that. That explains you because you are just, honestly, I find myself just pissing myself laughing watching your story sometimes. <laughs> and I, I often think, how does he even think of this? Like, where? But that explains it. And you mentioned there that it changed when your dad got ill. How old were you? And what do you remember of that time when your dad got ill? I was still at school. Um, I was quite young. I think I was maybe like year eight at school so how old's that 13 yeah I think I was 20 when my dad passed he had it for like seven years so yeah 13 and I just remember because my dad was like a superhero do you know what I mean he was so, he was six foot three he was a beefcake skinhead covered in tats like everyone was scared of him wherever I went and like speak to other dads they'd be like you're quick lad aren't you and that was what everyone called my dad quick and it was like you're quick lad aren't you and I was like yeah and it was like Fucking hell, I won't mess with quick. To me, my dad was just like a superhero. Um, and then to see him like get ill and he slowly got like worse and worse. And he, he only got given a year when he got diagnosed and he did nearly seven. Wow. And he said to us like when he was really poorly, he was like, oh, I only I only fought as hard as I could to see you lot grow up. Do you know what I mean? Um, but my dad used to give us scares all the time. I remember he, he nearly died that many times that when he did die, I thought he was going to come back to life. The doctors would be like, yeah, you, you probably want to go say your goodbyes to your old man now and stuff. So we'd all sit there and say bye. And then I'd walk in an hour later and he's up. And I'm like, what are you doing? Wow. And he's like, no, I'm not going yet. It happened that many times. I can remember saying to my older brother, I was like, he's going to get through this. And Adam was like, I think this is it, mate. Like, he'd been, he'd been kind of non-responsive for a few days. But I was just convinced that he was still on it. Do you know what I mean? What was your dad like with his diagnosis and in those years when he, obviously he was given a terminal diagnosis? Like, did his own demeanour kind of change and his attitude towards life during that time? Nah, he's just embraced it. And, like, even the nurses, all the nurses fancied him. They all they all loved him. Like, he, he just, everything was humour. Everything was, like, take the mick out of me kind of thing. The only time he really struggled is, is um, his spine collapsed and he ended up in a wheelchair and for my dad, that was really hard because my dad was like sporty and wants to go to the gym. That was probably the hardest part for my for my dad. But um, I remember I remember coming home from school after he'd, he'd been in hospital for like four months with his vertebrae that had collapsed, and he was in a wheelchair and he'd lost the use of his legs. And they, they told him he probably he wouldn't walk again. And I remember coming home from school and he was on the punch bag in the garage. Wow. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was just like, I can't I can't sit around doing nothing. It was just that was just wow. exactly how my dad was. 
What an inspiration. What a guy. One hell of yeah, a guy like... he sounds. Do you think that when your dad actually did pass, Jake, did that change you? Do you remember feeling different in that moment? And how has it changed you over the years? It's a weird one for me because I got really selfish towards the end of my dad dying um, because I was, I think I was 19. Like I said, my dad to me was this big, strong superhero. And in the end, he weighed like six stone and he was in a wheelchair and all this. And I kind of not stopped going to see him, but I didn't go around to the house as much as I wanted to towards the end. Um, selfish from me, I didn't want to see my dad ill. So I didn't want to taint my vision of my old man. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to remember him how I knew him. Um, so I was a little bit selfish. So I've actually got Forgive Me tattooed on my ribs um, because it kind of really got... I don't know I'm going to get up to that. Oh, that's all right. It kind of really got to me for a, a few years. Um, thinking that my dad would have been pissed off that I didn't see him as much as my older brothers. But I think he would have understood. Your parents always understand. Yeah, I think he, I think he would have. But yeah, so after he died, it, I was in a bit of a bad way. But I had really, my mum's like my best mate anyway. And um, I obviously had my brothers and I had my friends. I remember just, I think the next night after my dad died, my mate was like, right, I'm having a party. And I was like, I'm not going to come, mate. My dad's just died. And he's like, you're coming. We're throwing it for you. And I remember just, mm. us all just sat around getting steaming, talking about my dad. That's nice, actually, doing it like that. Like, at least it wasn't like a party where it was just a load of bunch of people that you didn't care about. Nah, it was just my closest mates all talking. I remember we was in a, we was in like a circle rapping. I don't know why. How about your dad? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he did that. And it was, yeah, it was um, it was hard afterwards. I could have gone off the rails a little bit, to be honest. I think I did. I think that is a common theme with grief, that you do go off the rails. I think it's so natural that in whatever form you do find yourself sort of deviating and then eventually with time you bring yourself back. Especially at that age, like you're surrounded by people going out and partying and drinking and stuff. So like naturally you're kind of going to get swept up in all of that and you kind of push your emotions down a bit don't you because you're just like I've got other things that I want to be doing and sitting at home crying about my dad <laughs> isn't one of them yeah I, t- I kind of just tried to keep myself busy I think keeping busy just meant I was going out and getting drunk a lot mm. um so then the, the next days were much harder um and I, I don't think I had a problem with alcohol but I think I definitely turned to drinking a lot um yeah. and especially yeah. after Oliver died that that was kind of what I turn to drinking a lot you find your ways of dealing and even if you do have to kind of not go off the rails but if you kind of have to have a bit of time where you kind of not yourself I think that's all right Mm. just on that how do you look at things differently now Jake just every day like that you wake up is a blessing to me and I think you've got to really just live every day because you're not you never promise tomorrow do you know what I mean so every day that I live I try I can be moody sometimes and that, but I just try and be happy and I try and have fun. And that's why I think I've done all the shows that I've done and stuff, because I just take every opportunity that's handed to me because my dad would have wanted me to. And I feel like the more things I do, the more chance my dad's watching down, seeing all these things going good on you. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, when I when I did make it as a footballer, I thought, fucking hell, I've got to do something now to make him proud. <laughs> 
Do you know what? During the last year throughout COVID, that's really been evident with you is that you seem to have an ability to lift yourself up mm-hmm. and in turn lift the spirits of those around you. It's been a really tough year and I think everyone has struggled in some way. But you, it seems um, from the outside, like your drive has come from a desire to just enjoy the moment, mm-hmm. enjoy the day and provide entertainment for other people. My mum tells me off a lot, actually. She's like, you give a lot of your energy to other people. Like, you do need a little bit of time to yourself. But I just enjoy, I just enjoy making people laugh, really, and and kind of making people happy. Because you get a lot of fake shit on Instagram. You get a lot of bullshit. And I like to show that not everything is like that. Like, you can have a down day. I, I talk about my anxiety, which came about after my dad and brother died. And I talk about that kind of stuff. But... I do just feel like you need to embrace every day. And when you stop worrying about little things that you can't actually control, life becomes so much more simple and so much better because you're not worrying about what other people are thinking. I'm a people person. I want people to like me. And if someone doesn't like me, I'm always like, oh, why don't they like me? Like- you're talking to two serious people pleasers here. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I'm a proper people yeah. pleaser, but... I think what I have realised, especially in lockdown, is that you can't please everyone. So you may as well just do you. Lockdown, mm-hmm. it's been horrible and I've not been working much. And But out of lockdown, I've got a little baby and I've also kind of found who I am more because I've stopped doing the whole perfect Instagram, posting photos of my abs that I ain't got anymore. And <laughs> like, I'm more about stupidness and having a laugh and making people happy, I guess. Appreciation, I think. You're... Instagram literally just screams appreciation to me and I it is like it's like a breath of fresh air because it's not it's not yeah it's not just freaking editing photos of just like everything yes, that's perfect exactly. just like looking at your little boy smiling and like oh it's just adorable I who love it. is beautiful, beautiful by the way Leo is beautiful and that is one of the big things that we want to talk about on this podcast is of course becoming a fatherless father mm. but talk to us about Oliver this might take a while so yeah, Ollie got um, diagnosed after my dad died um, about two years later, maybe. It was just, it was like we couldn't catch a break. Do you know what I mean? Like we just lost dad and then all of a sudden Ollie was ill and he had a tumour and they didn't know if it was terminal or not. And then he had his leg amputated. Well, he had his, he had, he had his own foot and his own hip, but he had a full metal leg. And he used to walk with like Frankenstein. And um yeah, and his leg and his knee used to clunk. He absolutely used and he I remember you used to be sat there going, Your fucking knees out of place again. <laughs> and he, Ollie was the funniest person I've ever met. Like the funniest. He was just he, he did not care one bit what anyone thought of him. His favorite thing ever was awkwardness. So he would purposely make a room awkward to then just sit back and like revel in what he'd done. Did he, did he do a lot of dead dad jokes? Yes, he did, and he did. And when he was poorly, he did a lot of jokes about himself yeah. being poorly as well. I think we would have loved Ollie. I honestly think we would have loved Ollie. Losing my dad was obviously horrendous, but then to lose my little brother, who I kind of thought I needed to protect and I couldn't do anything to save him, do you know what I mean? Mm. It was probably the hard. Well, it was the hardest thing that I've ever kind of been through. And he fought on for... Um, God, how long did he have it? five years I think and he fought on and he got into remission once and then pretty much the next day he went for a scan and he he was absolutely covered with tumours and I think in the end he had 23 
I made sure because of what happened with my dad and kind of not going to see him much. Um, I was around Ollie all the time and I moved in with him and I helped him with his physio because Ollie, Ollie jumped out of the way of his dog and broke his back because his mm. bones were so weak. Ollie was also lost the use of his legs. So I moved in and tried to get him moving and stuff. And that was the end for all when that happened because he lost all his fight. When he couldn't move, he lost his fight. And I think after his back, he probably, he probably only did another six months and, and then he passed when he kind of gave up on the fight. But um, yeah, I was I was there all the time. I remember being out in my car. I had a little bad boy sack. So yeah, you did. I remember my mum ringing and saying, "Oh, Oliver's not responding. You need to get need to get here as quick as you can." And I remember thinking, "It's happened again. Like I've, I'm not there and all this shit." And I remember getting there and um, he was just laid there, and I walked in and I sat by the bed and he he opened his eyes and he was like. I love you, bro. And I was like, yeah, I love you too. And then probably two or, two or three minutes later, he'd gone. Wow. Like he waited for me to get there mm. so he could like, so he could say that because he knew how much it hurt me last time. Mm. I wasn't really there much. So yeah, losing Ollie was the hardest. Um, and I had a bad year after that. Yeah. Didn't really do much at all. But I think what saved me is my mum. And I wanted to... I was the one to try and make my mum laugh, even after Ollie had gone. So I was still trying to be the clown. Mm. And I think if me and my mum didn't have that relationship, I could have just got lost. Um, but the fact that I was trying to be there for my mum and make her laugh, mm. um, I think it brought me back. And I remember looking in the mirror and I, I just didn't look like myself. I'd lost loads of weight and I was skinny and I'd been drinking loads. And I just thought, I can't. I can't let my mum lose two sons, you know what I mean? Like, I need to I need to be there for her. So I sorted myself out a little bit. What did that look like for you then when you kind of turned yourself around and tried to do something with what had happened to you? Because I've got to say I'm in, I'm in complete awe at how you are such a positive, appreciative, like, kind human being, and yet you must feel like, like life is very unfair. Yeah, I think for a year after Ollie, I was bitter at the world. Like, just, I couldn't get my head around why, it was like, why me? Why my dad and then why my brother? Like, am I not meant to be happy? Am I am I not meant to kind of have happiness? Um, and then I think I had a year just not doing anything, just slobbing about. And I'd done X Factor in 2012, and then that's when Ollie passed after after the show. And I didn't make it. <laughs> I got judges out and I didn't make it. I remember Ollie just going, I told you it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Kicking where it hurts. <laughs> 2013 was the year that he was gone and that was my bad year. And then I just remember thinking like in 2014, everything that my dad had said, I was a brickie at the time, but everything that my dad had said as well was like resonating and I was like, I just want to do something that's fun. Do you know what I mean? I just want to, I'm not probably not funny enough to be a comedian. And I was like, I probably don't know if I can act. I've got an all right voice. How can I try and use that to do a job that I love? Do you know what I mean? So I'd always kind of like to be the person, like I say, who's centre of attention. So I just thought I'm, I'm going to go back for the X Factor and see if I can make it this time. And, and I did. And I still did shit, but I made it to a live show. <laughs> good things have happened and I think that's my dad and my brother like opening doors for me and 
You're extremely self-deprecating, Jake. That's a really humble attitude towards life and it's probably served you well and helped actually get you where you are now. And I think you're absolutely right that it is your dad and your brother um, spurring you on to do that. But please don't take any credit away from yourself because actually what your dad and brother would be saying if they were here, I imagine, is son, brother, you did that yourself. You went out there into the world. You faced that hardship head on. You dealt with the blows that life Mm -hmm. gave you and you flourished, thrived and found happiness in every day. And that is not easy. Mm. Yeah, I guess. I think I've always been, I've always been one to put myself down a little bit just because then if you fail, it's easier to kind of accept because I don't like failing. Do you know what I mean? Do any of us. (laughs) I'm scared of failing. Do you know what I mean? So if I do take the piss out of myself and also I kind of, I feel like I've fought the battle of people thinking that I'm stuck up or that I'm arrogant because of how I was on social media or what they'd seen of me or the fact that I've got fake teeth or, do you know what I mean? Like they thought, oh, he he must be a prick. Um, So then when I meet people, I I automatically put Mm. myself down because I want them to know, like, I ain't a prick. Like, I'm just normal. Like, let's go have a Stella. Do you know what I mean? Like... That's just me. Um, my mum tells mm. me off for it all the time. She's like, you're super talented. Like, don't mm. say I'm saying you're not. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You've spoken about your dad and your brother a few times now on national television haven't you obviously on the next x factor and you did the full monty as well didn't you so how is that for you like talking about what you just said then about how people perceive you yeah how do you find opening up and speaking about those things to such large audiences if it can help someone then i'm all for it what i did find hard is that people thought i was using my dad and my brother some horrible things have been said like Mm -hmm. Or you, you use your dad and brother to stay relevant or you just use them for clout. And I'm like, for me, I'd talk about my dad and brother 24 hours of the day if I could. So when I'm getting asked to do these shows or when I'm getting asked about them, like it makes me happy talking about them. So I'm going to do it. And I do. And I talk about them and, and I tell my story. And usually I'm all right. Like I got a little bit upset a minute ago, but... I don't know why when there's a camera in front of you and you're on TV, you just, your emotions just double. I say on Full Monty, I was like, I cannot do anything without crying when I'm talking about them. But it's not because I'm sad. I'm obviously sad that they're not here. It's just because 
I think so much of them both. And like, I'm actually proud to be their son and their brother, do you know what I mean? A friend said to me, if you would tell the story, if they were alive, then why should you not tell the story just because they're not here anymore? And it's so true. And that's something that I live by. Like, I will never be afraid to tell a story about my mum if it's relevant in that situation just because she's not here. I think it's it's, it's amazing that you do it. Do you talk... Because, um, Jake, you will have helped more people than you realise by being so open mm. about your grief. Um, and we've spoken quite a few times on this podcast about how sometimes it's easier to talk to strangers about your grief mm. than it is your family. How do you, your brother and your mum, talk about the loss of your dad and your brother between yourselves? We don't We don't really. My mum's here now, actually. Um, she... I don't think my mum will ever really get over Oliver. So for me, I don't really want to kind of bring it up for her because I know how how upsetting it is for her. Um, but she's she is, like, inspirational as well, the way she kind of... She's got a good sense of humour. She takes me... She, take, she takes all my banter <laughs> and gives it back. Do you know what I mean? And my older brother, we kind of say things in passing and, and little stories and stuff like that, but... Yeah, we, we don't really kind of sit and open up about it. It's something that we've all kind of been through and we've all gone on little different journeys and how we've got back to where we are now. So I think we just all really respect that and understand that and like everyone deals with things differently. And yeah, and, and that's kind of how we do it. And like you said, it's, it is easy to talk to people you don't know sometimes or even a camera, like when someone asks me a question, like there's a camera in my face, but it's nice to... It's nice to open up to it. It's a bit of therapy, I guess. Part of the series that you're forming right now, Jake, is um, in June. It's to, obviously, it's around Father's Day and it's to break down the the sort of the toxic masculinity, the idea that stiff upper lip and men can't talk about their feelings. What would you say to anyone newly bereaved or someone who lost someone a long time ago and feels, I can't open up, I can't talk because I'm afraid of what people will say? What would you say to them? <sighs> Obviously, for me, like, it's what saved me, opening up about it and talking to my friends and talking to, I think, more at the beginning, I spoke a lot to my mum and my brother about it. It's horrible. And, like, when you've gone through loss, it never really gets easier, but you just deal with it better. And but I don't want to ever be happy about the fact that they're not here. So, for me, having that kind of sadness in me is something that's always going to be there. And I use it to spur me on. I use it as motivation. And I just think, like, if you have lost someone or or you are going through kind of loss, then it becomes more bearable to live with. And you will see the light and you will see life differently. And if you can do one thing, it's what I try and do, is I try and take a positive even out of the most negative situation. So the fact that my dad was taken away from me means now I'm a dad I'm just going to be the best dad that I can possibly be because I know how short life is and also losing my brother his love of life and and how outgoing he was I want to keep that going be that guy and I want to travel the world and because whatever I can see he can see I just I don't know I don't know if I explain that yeah right, but yeah really eloquently perfectly how have you found it since having Leo? It is clear that you are a doting dad. Mm-hmm. Besotted. 
And yeah, it is. No, it's, no, it's not. It's, it's not. It's genuinely beautiful. And, you know, you said about being the best dad you can be because you know what it's like to be without your dad. Is that something that you're consciously thinking of daily? I just want to be Leo's hero. Do you know what I mean? I just want him to be like, that's my dad. <laughs> I'm getting upset about fucking Leo now. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I just, I kind of, yeah, I just want him to be like, that's that's my old man, and all my mates loved my dad. Like, mm-hmm. my house was the party house where they all came round, and my dad chilled with us. This is what I want with me and Leo, and I just want him to be able to look at me and and know that I'll never judge him, and I'll always support him, whatever decision he makes, whatever he wants to do, I'll just support him, and I'll help push him and yeah I'll probably be a little bit strict because my old man was strict when he wanted to be but for the right reasons and just embed embed the things that my dad taught me about trying your hardest about kind of living your life about doing a job that you love because if you do a job you love you'll never work a day in your life do you know what I mean like just all these little things that my dad used to say and I, I find myself doing it and saying them now even to Freddie and, and to Leo like my God, my dad used to do that. My dad used to say that. And that's the best gift my dad could have given me, I guess. You really learn the value of love, don't you? After you've been through something like that. And I think yeah. that the biggest gift in grief is that we're able to give that love that we've received to other people. Like I know myself, the amount of love that I have, I'm like desperate to like give it out to anybody and everybody. Um, do you Do you have any thoughts on like how, obviously it's very early days, but kind of how you'll talk about your dad to Leo you know his granddad and it's like for me I've got a nephew now and he's only a baby and I was like showing him pictures of my mum and talking about what she was like with him and you know do you do do anything like that with him I definitely will I've spoke to Freddie a lot about my dad and my brother and Mm. Freddie's so caring he'll he'll say sometimes like we just little things we was playing Fortnite and we we ran past a gravestone and Freddie went, oh, that could be Oliver under there. I hope he's watching us play Fortnite. Oh, I love that. Oh, oh my God. Freddie's such a caring little lad. And I'm, I'm ho- I, I think I've rubbed off a little bit on Fred. He's got a great network around him anyway, but he's so much more outgoing now. And, and I just tell him to like embrace life and try your hardest and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I imagine when Leo's older, I don't want him to not know my dad and my brother. Like mm. I want him to know. Mm. Unfortunately, I got a, like, a lot of videos of him and stuff like that. Um, which is another, a, a reason why I've made Leo an Instagram, just so I can put that as much on there as I possibly can. So it's there for him. And like, I just regret not having videos of stupid things me and my brother did and stupid things me and my dad did. And the times I got hurt and my dad sat with me in bed when I had earache and used to bring me peanut butter on oh. toast at three in the morning. Oh, great snack choice. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Always. Go on, Quickie. I like the sound of your dad. <laughs> yeah, he was a ledge, mate. He was a ledge. You're right on that, Jake. I think making videos and if just the simple things, because obviously, you know, I lost my mum when like, remember the the pink, what were those pink, was it a razor, those, those phones that you slide up and down? Yeah. Yeah, I think they just come out. So obviously I might have had one picture on it, but that's it. And the camera quality was shocking. Like grainy as fuck as well. <laughs> yeah. So after that, when, you know, my Nana was like a second mum to me, 
I would literally just pick up my phone and as I was saying goodbye to her, I'd just film a sometimes saying goodbye so that I have videos of the way I hugged her and the way she hugged me and how we could cuddle and kiss and how she'd say I love you. And I think that really changes you, doesn't it? In the sense of you think this could be the last time or one day I want this memory. So now you just want to get everything. And I, do you know what? I don't ever think it's overkill. I think you do it, just do it. Make all of those memories because one day they they keep that person alive, don't they? They do. Yeah, 100%. And I've noticed it now. I'm so worried about Leo. Like everything worries me. Like I wake up in the middle of the night, I think, what happens if this happens to Leo? Like what, what happens if he breaks his leg when he's playing football? Do you know what I mean? Like... Stuff like that, and it, and it really scares me. So I just want to take as much videos of him as well because I think I'm just I'm just such a warrior that something bad bad might happen again. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to just embrace everything, and just have just memories there for any reason if something happens to me. Do you know what I mean? So obviously you're approaching your your first Father's Day as Leo's dad. How are you feeling? Are you going to commemorate that in any way in the sense of combining the fact that you're Leo's dad and, of course, you're a father figure to Freddie, but also the loss of your dad as well, being without him? Yeah, well, me, me and Adam, my brother, always make a joke that we our father's days are cheap now, do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> like, it's, I guess now... Um, I am a dad. I hopefully get a few presents. Even better for you now. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah, like, I think it'll make me think about my dad even more. The fact that he's not here on a day when I've got my son, do you know what I mean? And, like, I would have loved him to be with me and Leo on that day um, to see what I'm like. But I've got my mum and she she watches me as a dad and I, and I guess I make her proud. I remember I always wanted to be treated normal. I don't know how you two felt. Like, I didn't want my mates to be, like, feeling sorry for me and stuff. I remember after, it was like not even that long after my dad died in the first Father's Day and I was a little bit upset. I was in Leeds actually at one of the lads' uni houses and uh, my mate Tom just walked in and he, and he was like, Happy Father's Day, guys. He went, You didn't have to buy a card, did you? And like, <laughs> That's what you want. That was, I was like, yeah. That's what I need. So I'll always try and have that humour around Father's Day, but also remember him. And like you say, because I've got Leo now, it would have been nice for my dad to be there. And have my dad, and then I'm a dad, and Leo, and mm. but he'll, he can. I, I'm a true believer that he can see, and I'm a true believer of like everything happens for a reason. So yeah. my dad's yeah. in a better place because he was needed. Did you always want to be a dad before your dad passed away? And if you did, did it kind of did that desire become stronger once you lost your dad? I've always loved kids. Like I've always being a big kid myself. So I'm always the lad at the party, like messing around, playing footy with all the kids or, do you know what I mean? So that was always in me and I knew how much I loved kids. And then when I met Soph, obviously she had Fred and I just got on so well with Fred. So I I always knew that I, I would be a dad, but I never thought that it would be as magic as it is. Oh. It sounds a bit cringe, but like it's like my destiny to be a dad. You call him. Yeah, I just feel like that little bit of, my heart that was missing because my dad and Ollie in here is like, it's Leo now, do you know what I mean? Love that. That's literally how I always think about it. I always think I just can't wait to have a baby because I'll just be able to give that baby just everything that I can't give to my mum anymore. <laughs> yeah, 100%. All that love and all that mm. humour and all that 
it just goes to them. And again, it just gives you another reason to really be grateful and another reason to really like embrace life because I think people that have lost someone, they can be quite bitter and they can be, but I think when you get through it, they're the best people, they're the most beautiful people, they're the most caring, they're the most funny. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, look at us three. <laughs> if you are listening to this, we are Terrible hilarious. examples. <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny on a depressing podcast. Guys. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously you've got a long, long time of memories built up, stacked up of your dad and brother. But are there any in particular that stand out to you, Jake, that you look back if you want a lift and you go, I love that memory? Yeah, this... <laughs> There's one of me and Oliver. I don't know if I really want to say it. Anything goes. We ate some space cakes one Christmas Eve. Um, and me and Oliver laid in, we slept in the same room at my mum's house. And we we laughed for about five hours straight. And just, and it, it was always like, whenever I think of Christmas, it's such an amazing memory of Christmas. Because that Christmas Eve, Oliver's mate even stopped at our house as well. And I remember him coming in, like, after us laughing for four hours and was like, well, you two just shut the fuck up. And that made us laugh even more. And we were both really young. Like, Oliver must have been, what? Ollie must have been 17, 18. Yeah, we, we just made these ourselves like idiots. And like, best memory of Oliver ever. Amazing. Any memories of your dad that really stick out for you? There's so many. There's like, I remember when I broke my leg. <laughs> I broke my leg and my dad chased the, the guy's dad around the pitch. He broke my leg for about an hour. I'm just chasing him, trying to try and get him. The other kid's dad who did it to me chased him out, trying to get him. And there's me there with a compound fracture, my bone sticking through my skin. Like, dad, like maybe just cut. He's like, I'll get him. Like, that, he didn't do it, dad. That's his dad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's so many stupid memories of my dad. Also, he did a Michael Jackson impression. And do you know when he like he, he pulls his balls? He, he did that. He had to go to hospital because he ruptured his balls. Oh my god! I'm sure he will love you sharing that story. Can can I tell the truth? I am gutted I didn't meet your dad yeah, and brother because I feel like they they sound like the best kind of people. Genuinely, it'd be a good reality show. I yeah, think, wouldn't it? yeah, it really would. Sitting with them too, like you, you always guaranteed laughs, and like that's a memory that really sticks about my dad is how highly everyone spoke of him after he was gone. Mm-hmm. Like. I was, I actually, this happened really recent and I was, I went back to Scully and I was in the office and I was buying some cider or something and um, there was a guy in there, like older, older guy and he was really staring at me. I was thinking, he watches X Factor. (laughs) (laughs) No paps, please, no paps. Yeah, and he went, he went, you've got to be related to Quick and I said, yeah, I'm, Paul was my dad and he was like, you've got the same smile, you two. He's like, I remember quick. He's like, his smile used to brighten up the room. Everyone knew when he was in the room. Oh. And I just thought, oh, what an amazing thing to say. It really like cheered me up for like a week that I was just thinking how much everyone remembered my dad because that's how I remembered him. He was just like the one in the room. He was, like I say, he was so big that you couldn't get away from him. He was so strong. He was like really just... He was such a man's man. I hate that word because I don't believe in that. Like, there's no such thing as a man's man. Like, this is the important topic about talking and opening up and stuff. But he was a typical man's man, bricklayer, strong, went to the gym, skinhead, covered in tats. 
But I used to walk in and he'd be reading the obituaries in the paper, crying his eyes out. Oh. Such an emotional, like, loving person. I can picture him giving, like, really good bear hugs. You know, like, proper big, like... That came across, like, he used to just get everyone in the head, like, like, hey, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was just, he was a proper... He's a proper geezer. Jake, just finally, before we let you go, we've heard your memories and your descriptions of them. But if they were here now, how would they describe their son and their brother, Jake Wickenden? Ooh, um, I don't really know. I, I just hope they I just hope they'd be looking down proud, I guess. I think Ollie kind of I mean Ollie were best mates, but he, he hated me in a way that he just used to get so frustrated at the fact that I was so loud and so I like he'd have his mates around. I'm like, yeah, lads, I get a guitar out, and he's like, put your fucking guitar away, Jake. Like, nobody's bothered. <laughs> he would be up there laughing his head off at the fact that I made it onto TV, and then somehow I've kind of carved a career out on doing <laughs> stupid stuff. He'd be like, you are the luckiest person in the world because I didn't really have anything to fall back on. Like, if I wasn't doing this, I don't know what I'd be doing. So. He would just be like, you are lucky. But he'd also be like secretly, quietly, really proud. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's my bro. Um, whereas my dad, I think he would, he, I think my dad just knew that that was kind of my calling to do something different, I think. My dad heard me sing, but he never saw anything. He never saw me on TV. He never, never saw me in the jungle and stuff like that. So I think he would have just been like, well done for embracing it. Like, well done. Keep going. Take everything with both hands. And, like, as long as you don't turn into a prick, then I'm happy. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you are a prick, but the best kind of prick, Jake. <laughs> I'm a good prick. I honestly think they would just be overwhelmed with pride because you are such a lovely human being. And I think just being able to make people smile is just such a gift, isn't it? So, yeah, I've got no doubt that you're, you're doing them doing them proud if you were my son i would be so proud of you you are one of life's good ones jake you're a good decent human being a breath of fresh air and speaking so openly on this podcast you have no idea how many people you are going to help because i mean thank you for coming on like yeah thank you thank you thank you like now when when you asked me i was like that's such a lovely thing to do like because it is a negative subject but you, to make it positive is such a big thing. And, like, we're all sat here who've lost someone and look at us, like, we're all laughing, we're all happy, we're all doing well. So for, even for anyone listening that might have lost someone, they're, they're coming on here and thinking, how are these lot like this? So it obviously gets better. So just that, like, you know what I mean? What a point to end on. We promise it gets better. Jake Quickenden, thank you so, so much for joining us. And thank you for listening. Remember that you can reach out if there's anything in particular that you want us to talk about or if you've got any suggestions at all. Yep. Don't forget, you can email us at hello at deadprankclub.co.uk or find us on Instagram at Podcast, And we're on Facebook and Twitter as well. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.